Hi everyone, welcome back to Knights of Ren. It's Allie, and today I am here with a new episode all about Star Wars animation. Today, I am not alone to talk about Star Wars animation, as fun as that could be, hearing me talk about Star Wars animation for hours on end by myself. No, I am joined by a friend from Star Wars Twitter, Siraj, and I'm so happy that he has chosen to join me today because he's a big animation fan just like me, not just Star Wars, but like he likes a bunch of other shows I like too, so it's um, so awesome to get you on the pod, so thanks for joining me. My pleasure, and <laughs> I'm really excited. It's my first podcast thing ever. Yay! Yeah, you, all should, you all should have him on your podcast too. He's awesome. <laughs> I've been watching, no, no. I've been I'm like looking for an for excuse that. to like have you on the pod, but <laughs> we, we were like doing the Mandalorian and that took us like an entire month and then I got asked to guest on like three different podcasts and then I was busy for three more weeks. So today we are going to be talking about Star Wars animation but to make it more kind of solidified, we're going to be specifically talking about the storytelling of Star Wars animation because there's a lot of awesome stuff that we get with Star Wars animation, but one of the most valuable things that I've always valued growing up and to this day is the storytelling and how much they are able to put in with themes and characters and everything. So to kind of break this down we are going to be largely focusing on the main three and the future with maybe some connections to other parts of animation but we are going to be mostly focusing on clone wars rebels and resistance as well as talking a bit about the future as we go chronologically we'll be touching on connections to the star wars universe and film material and our second category we'll be talking about characters and our third category we'll be touching more on the thematic and mythic kind of elements so to start, as you are guesting here today, and just because storytelling isn't just important for what it presents story-wise, but also how it impacts people story-wise. So how about um, you talk a bit about maybe your experiences with Star Wars animation slash why you really value the storytelling? So I always kind of grew up with Star Wars because my siblings, my three older siblings, they always loved the prequels. And they would like rewatch Anakin versus Obi-Wan like all the time. And I'd just be there. And I really like Star Wars too. Like in sixth grade, like we had to make a pillow or something. And I just got my name done in the Star Wars style. But <laughs> it was never like <laughs> a thing that like I felt like it was my thing. And it just felt like a family thing. And then Rebels came on. And then my cousin was like, you should watch this show. And then I was like, okay. And then uh, I started watching it. And then it was just like really different from everything else because it was a, it centered on this like close-knit family and it just was so much more relatable to me because I'm a really family-oriented person and family is like the most important thing to me and this story was just all about that and it was also it's a tv show animated tv show and that's like one of my favorite mediums exactly, like yeah. I'll say books and an animated uh tv and it's just, you get to spend way more time with the characters than in movies. And it's just like, I like, I like seeing those little moments where like the youngest sibling has to like crawl through the vents and do all the dirty work. <laughs> and like, and like, I can relate to that so much. I'm not the youngest sibling, but I'm one of the youngest siblings. And that was just a big thing for me. <laughs> and yeah, and just that whole dynamic with siblings and stuff. Also, I want to mention Thrawn kind of, because, um, <laughs> 
a lot of people were sad because the EU wasn't canon anymore. And then when Throng came back, that was like a big thing for them, but it didn't have that impact on me just because I wasn't a big EU person. But then like, he just became this super cool person for me. He became one of my favorite characters, not because of the EU, but because of Rebels. And yeah, that's my whole personal impact <laughs> spiel. <laughs> yeah, I I definitely agree with that on a lot of levels from through my experience as well. Like touching on what you just said, I had the same kind of experience with Ron. I remember watching like the season three trailer and every, and I watched like because I don't remember was it like Celebration or Comic Con or I think it was Celebration Europe or whatever it was. Yeah. Whenever that trailer dropped, I was watching like the live feed of it. So you heard everyone cheering when Thrawn came on. And I was, <laughs> Who? So I was like, okay, so this guy's a big deal. <laughs> like, let's go. <laughs> so yeah, it was awesome to like get to learn more about like why this character meant so much to people and just to get to grow to love him through Rebels. And then I also definitely agreed with what you talked about family-wise. I always talk about how I really value the family aspect of Rebels. And through my experience, I kind of experienced it the same way in the way that I, when I was first introduced to Star Wars, my parents, like my dad and my brother and I would like, we watched all the films and then I became like obsessed with them. Like I've talked about on record how I would watch the movies like every single Friday constantly. (laughs) But when Rebels (laughs) came, when Rebels came, it became like even more of a personal kind of thing for me because I was only my like my dad's only now watching it for the first time and my brother only watched it for the first time like back end of last year and so I kind of watched it by myself so that kind of became my thing but I still like enjoyed the family aspects of it that connect in that way so we're gonna go chronologically so we both clearly have a big connection to Rebels we obviously (laughs) have a lot of stuff to say about Rebels but let's start with Clone Wars. And everyone knows that I just spent a long time focusing on Clone Wars with the project <laughs> and everything. So I've talked a lot about what Clone Wars means to me story-wise, but looking at the story itself, I think what Clone Wars does that is kind of similar and different to the ways the other shows, because the other, Rebels and Resistance, we really get kind of a unique perspective where we get either like the perspective of the colossus or we get the perspective of the ghost crew but with clone wars and looking to our first category of like connections to the star wars universe and building upon material and expansion clone wars was really like while we got familiar characters in the other shows clone wars really had that focus where we got that development with characters that we already knew while also getting new add-ons so what did you really think about the ways that, that Clone Wars kind of built upon the films? I think it just did a thing that was so, it was so important to Star Wars as a whole that like a lot of, I don't know if it was a spinoff show, it's, it was just like an in-between kind of show. It's so important because from the movies, you don't get to hear why the clones like turn on the Jedi and that, that seems like a really big thing that's like super important but it wasn't in the movies for some reason. And then they answer that. And then you get just a lot about the clones, even though the clones are like supposed to be super important in the movies, but they're just used as kind of a plot point in the movies. But then you get this whole humanization stuff here where like the first episode ambush is just like Yoda telling them all what's unique about them. And that was just really cool because the clones are just there kind of in the movies. And then we get Ahsoka Ahsoka is just one of the coolest characters ever. And we get this whole perspective on the Jedi and 
again, in the movies, we're kind of touched on the corruption of the Jedi and what's wrong with them, but it's really vague, kind of. And then through Ahsoka, we get, like, this full-blown arcs on what's wrong with them and just her experience. And it's a really personal experience for her because she was betrayed by them. Yeah, I definitely always appreciated how Clone Wars really did expansion in many different ways, both like characters and storylines. And like you said, how they developed like the hypocrisy of the Jedi. And I also noted like how it was a big thing with Anakin's fall. Like you get in the movies, Anakin has this fall and then Clone Wars really develops how that progression occurred. So yeah, I definitely always loved how they did that, especially because like you said, in the movies, you get the clones and like there's so much weight kind of when Obi-Wan like learns about the clones. Clone Wars really shows us why that weight is such a big thing because they're just not like faceless, helmeted soldiers. They're actually like, they're characters who go through a lot of development and we see a lot of progression throughout Clone Wars. In talking about this expansion of storylines, I think two that we can specifically maybe discuss a bit more kind of I think it'd be interesting to discuss a bit more about Anakin's fall and especially in relation to Ahsoka I think would be interesting and also in connecting specifically to film material with the Siege of Mandalore arc we got to see specific connections to the films as well as building upon the material we already got in Clone Wars with like characters like Fives. So like you said Clone Wars gave us like Ahsoka. Clone Wars also um, presented us with the kind of hypocrisy of the Jedi like they expanded upon that narrative are there any specific like moments or parts of Clone Wars you can reflect on that really helps to develop Anakin and Ahsoka and just that narrative of why Anakin ended up making the choices he did I think one of the biggest ones is when Ahsoka was leaving the order and there's just that shot of her walking away and just the tint of like the scene and just like Anakin looks so no, not defeated, but just, like, he feels like he's lost something. And I mm. feel like that is just a big thing for... Because I feel like so much so much happened on screen in Revenge of the Sith, and that feels like one of the biggest things, because he doesn't have that anchor in Ahsoka, who's just, like, she's... He's supposed to be her master, but then she's also, in a way, his master. And, <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like in that part where she's... She's just, like... She, I feel like if she was there, there would have been a huge difference, because she would just... She just, like... I don't know, they have such a close relationship that she'd make a huge difference if she was there. Yeah, I remember watching the Siege of Mandalore arc, and then you get that scene that connects to Revenge of the Sith, where, like, you know, like, Anakin leaves the meeting. And I remember I was watching, on Revenge of the Fifth, I was watching, like, the movie uh, with, like, Force uh, fan podcast. And I even tweeted, I was like, no, Anakin, don't leave yet, so be there soon. <laughs> I was just like, gosh, because, like, mm. And there's a lot of people who talk about that, like how much of an impact would Ahsoka have being there have had. And I think you really see that in that moment. There's just so much weight in that moment. I think, honestly, that moment was like the first animation moment that actually made me cry. So like, Mm. (laughs) there's definitely just so much weight in that moment. And I definitely agree that I think she had that presence because like you said, they kind of learn from each other. Ahsoka and Anakin are both chaotic in their own ways, but they kind of also <laughs> learn from each other as a result. And I think that having that person who can be your chaotic partner in crime, but also your balance can kind of really help in that way. 
I just mentioned about how we do get that scene in um, the Siege of Mandalore that connects to Revenge of the Sith, but we also got a lot of other kind of little connections to Revenge of the Sith throughout. So how about we talk a bit about the Siege of Mandalore? Because not only did it build and connect to the film's material, but story-wise, there was just a lot there that just really expanded this whole Order 66, like Anakin's fall, like just every aspect that we get in Revenge of the Sith. I just really loved how much they built upon it and just added with that tension and from a unique perspective because a lot of people talk about how because Ahsoka is this new character and she like comes in and we see her grow up experiencing this war, getting this connections while we're connecting to the movie we get it from her perspective and i really think there was a lot of value with that so what are your thoughts on the siege of mandalore arc and um connecting to revenge of the sith yeah i was just about to suggest that we talk about that because i just remembered everything that happened in it i was just like so excited right now because (laughs) it's like it's so cinematic and it's it's on tv though it's tv episodes and i think it's just such a big deal for an animated TV show, just the Siege of Mandalore, it's just so important. And because like just the action, the animation, like everything about it feels like a movie and it could have mm-hmm. aired in theaters and it would have been normal to be there. I and, know, if only, yeah, that's, if only. <laughs> maybe one day. One day, yeah, that's definitely And we can all just go there. One day. <laughs> maybe, maybe Celebration, they'll have a little showing of it and we can all go there and <laughs> watch it together. <laughs> or, we, or we host our own. <laughs> exactly exactly no uh, no my panel i my panel submission for next celebration will just be just watching the <laughs> yes there we and go. every angsty moment in rebels we'll just make a compilation we oh my gosh literally <laughs> we just all cry together What's, i'll I'll make like a video that, of like crying from star wars animation and it's just like every angsty moment from star wars animation well anyway oh yeah i definitely agree like i think especially connecting to like the subject of like we could have gotten in theaters but a pandemic could i think it was awesome in the ways that they expanded like with like a cinematic feel but also the fact that if we're talking looking back at a storytelling impacting personal experience i think the fact that we were getting this at the time we did was even it it was even bigger of an impact because i remember staying up late every friday night like till midnight and watching like the episodes with twitter and it was just so much fun and it like it just really helped bring the fandom together and i love that so much and like you said there was just so much in there that was just so top tier star wars animation as i've said in countless times so looking specifically at the moment when we get order 66 we get connections to revenge of the sith we also get connections to clone wars with fives and i really love how they kind of intertwined the film material with the material we get with clone wars and up until we get to see, like I was saying, we get to see Ahsoka's perspective up until that final moment when she's like looking at the helmets and then we get the ending with the, the helmet and just the end of the Clone Wars. And there's just so much buildup because we all knew, well, we didn't know we were going to get season seven, but we all kind of knew that as the Clone Wars was airing, like we would eventually get to this point where yes, Anakin would have his fall and stuff. But like, so I think, I just think Dave Filoni really executed it well in that way. Mm-hmm. I just want to mention that um, 
in the third episode of TV Metalore when they started just setting this eerie mood. That was just so great. That was just like the music and just them walking into the ship and like saying bye Bo-Katan and then they were just like on the ship <laughs> and it was just like so eerie because you're like wait the siege of Mandalore is over and now what you know there's still two episodes left and then we all knew it was going to happen but that's yeah. just part of the dreadful feeling yeah that's no, so scary I, I say this a lot but I always when I first watched the Phantom Apprentice I thought it was going to happen when she like because she dropped her lightsabers in her fight with Maul and I'm like oh god it's gonna like happen now like I don't know and so then going into Shattered like you kind of knew it was gonna happen like so soon but you didn't know at what point and like you said you get like the eerie undertone with Padme's ruminations and the music is just very eerie and you get that feeling it's gonna happen and that's just another connection to film because they use film music material they used film dialogue so even with that integration because if you watch revenge of the sith enough you know what that music's from and you know where we are in the timeline mm-hmm. it just gives you that anxiety build and it's just like so good so well executed. and then in the next episode when they start with the padme's funeral music yeah, exactly. and that's just their music choices <laughs> top tier <laughs> and oh my gosh the scene where ahsoka is just by herself in and then Rex is like in the meeting in the back and that just scene where it happens and she her head like she touches it and then it's just like so oh my god that's like one of the best scenes in anything it's just like so much dread built up it's so scary and then also this is just like I don't want to say a meme in Star Wars it's just like a trope where like the part where Palpatine just says Exequal Order 66 and you know what his mouth is saying because you've seen it so many times and I just remember reading the Kanan comics like recently not like a few months ago or something Mm -hmm. and then you just see that and you're like oh my gosh like it's such a (laughs) thing in star wars where you see that and immediately like so much dread oh my god yeah (laughs) yeah so like siege of mandalore just the storytelling was just so good because not only was it like cinematic and it was cool and there was so much awesome stuff that went into it but just like the way they developed that story narrative and just because even if you aren't a star wars fan and you were just watching the siege of mandalore for some reason because it was on disney plus you could like still get what's happening and you could still feel the tension and just the weight Mm -hmm. that it has on these characters especially ahsoka like and rex you can just see you can see how much build-up these characters have had and i think that's a good way to transition into our next category with clone wars which is character so I first noted arc, and obviously, like, everyone, every character can have an arc, but I specifically noted Ahsoka for the Clone Wars because, obviously, Ahsoka goes through a lot of growth, and this kind of connects to growth. We can intertwine the notes, like, I don't care. Um, <laughs> like, because Ahsoka, I feel like out of any character in Clone Wars, as much as I, it kind of is a parallel because... Ahsoka grows through the story just as much as the fans kind of grew to love Ahsoka as a parallel. (laughs) I was gonna mention that just like she's this immature like Padawan and then everyone hates her and then we get Siege of Mandalore where she's like a fan favorite and she's just so much her. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah I like I think that really goes to show like the same kind of thing happened with Ezra too in a way and Kaz even yeah I, my books are back there <laughs> well not our Ahsoka merch if you, you won't be able to see but we've got all our yeah. Ahsoka around us <laughs> we kind of get 
it's similar with Ezra and Kaz, but Ahsoka was kind of the first case with it. I think it really goes to show how well they developed her through her story and her progression as a character with how you were able to like make fans who were like sending death threats to Ahsoka like (laughs) now they love her and like they want her in every medium like I personally don't want her in Mandalorian because I don't feel it fits story-wise but everyone wants her in like every medium and so Mm. I I think that really goes to show how well they developed her story-wise and I Honestly, I both we're both kind of young, so we have an interesting perspective on this. I don't know how you, I don't know specifically when you were watching Clone Wars, but when I was watching Clone Wars, I was like eight, nine, ten, or whatever. I was still a kid, so we have the interesting perspective of we were young watching it growing up. So I never really found Ahsoka annoying because I was a child. <laughs> um, but I think watching it as a kid, you I still saw like how much she grew and so even if you're not looking at it as a grown adult and being like oh she's this silly teenager who's chaotic and annoying and now she's grown up no even as a kid who always loved Ahsoka because she I was too young to maybe see how annoying she was or whatever but I never really got her annoying but I think I even then saw um how much she grew I don't know when did you watch Clone Wars (laughs) I have a weird introduction to it because I remember like a long time ago maybe when I was like eight or something like I was at my grandma's house and then the episode there was some episode with Mother Talzin and Savage Press and Darth oh my Maul God. and I was just like what's happening I was like how is Darth Maul alive and then the first time I actually watched her chronologically was um right before Twilight of the Apprentice and Rebels because mm-hmm. I was like you know I kind of want to understand what's happening here because I don't really get Ahsoka and Anakin's relationship much so then I started actually watching Clone Wars and that was when did Twilight of the Apprentice come out whenever that was 2016 okay so I was probably like 12 or something yeah you're much yeah I'm like 19 but Siraj you're like 16 15 yeah yeah 16 16. (laughs) so we have a quite the unique perspective I think compared to because a lot of my friends who podcast are a lot older than us so yeah (laughs) and for me I was saw Clone Wars from the very beginning because we would watch Cartoon Network like all the time and so obviously we saw Clone Wars because it would like show up and we'd seen the films at that point we were like ooh Star Wars let's go (laughs) I feel like another thing with the people thinking she's annoying is just that people think kids are annoying sometimes and that the audience was kids exactly we were kids when we watched this like (laughs) I hate when that happens people are just like they're annoying and then I'm just like (laughs) you're not the target audience (laughs) and i mean it's kind of sad because every this is an important thing to address i think some people will even argue they progress their character in a way to make her tolerable for the fans which i think is a really toxic mentality to have because that's not the case because it's important to acknowledge the fact that she went through a war people going through a war when you're like 15 years old (laughs) that is gonna affect you like i can't imagine i bet you can't imagine but like being in a war right now um (laughs) and then wrongfully accused of murder exactly (laughs) (laughs) this poor child being used as a weapon (laughs) (laughs) yes 
I want to have all of the Padawans because they're all kids in this war and use that too much. Oh my god. Like, why would they put children in? I don't know. That's a whole other conversation to have. But, like, (laughs) (laughs) but also, Um, I wanted to mention that another thing that sets Ahsoka apart from Ezra and Kaz is that she's a young woman. And I feel like just the misogyny in the fandom is just makes it um, a bigger deal that people like her more. Because it's just, she's a strong character also. And it's just. Harder for some reason, harder for people to like this. And she doesn't need to be connected to a powerful planet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that yet because who knows what they'll do. <laughs> exactly. Like <laughs> just I'm kidding. Just saying kidding. It, I'm, I'm so scared. It's like I speak it into existence. They can't change it now. There we go. Don't jinx. <laughs> I don't know. I'm so scared. <laughs> <laughs> watch her be in the mandalorian and then she's connected to some like i don't even know know. (laughs) oh my god no okay well yeah back to the conversation about ahsoka so yeah it's definitely important to acknowledge the ways that while fan perspective through watching her story and her grow up while fan perspective might be make it seem like oh we only like her because the story made us like her but i think it's just really important to acknowledge her growth on her own because she did learn things we saw many times she would accept like lectures like i think that's another thing she like learned more to like be like yes master and less like are you kidding why are we retreating like i (laughs) but like you kind of see stuff like that and especially if we're going back to the way that Anakin and Ahsoka kind of teach each other it's like that episode with the Trandoshans and everything and then she gets back and like Anakin's like apologizing and she's like no you taught me you helped me survive and she like teaches him in return I love that's an important storyline I think to acknowledge because I think that really reflects both of their growth because we kind of see Anakin be more of the "Mm." and he also kind of connecting back to film material he kind of goes back to his protective tendencies like must save everyone Mm. (laughs) yeah Yeah, it never felt forced, her growth, to me. It just felt natural. And it's over seven seasons, too. Like Exactly. <laughs> it, it was natural because there was so much time for her. Yeah. Yeah. So the other character I noted in our character section is Ventress because oh. I think it's interesting because if we're talking about story beats... I think when it comes to, like, backstory, we got, out of any character, we got the most with Ventress, especially because I feel like when you first see her in the Clone Wars, especially in the Clone Wars movie, she's kind of just like, oh, she's the big bad who's, like, sassy with Obi-Wan. twirling like, villain. Yes, yes. <laughs> she's, like, the big baddie who's just being sassy with Obi-Wan. Hashtag Wantress for life. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I should both... It, them and Satine like I'm like are we are we gonna have a section where we talk about unpopular ships <laughs> like sure why not <laughs> but like um no that was just a big thing in my Clone Wars watch group we get like this character who's like just seems like this villain but like then we get the stuff with like the nice sisters and we get to learn more about her past and like where she started and I think that in itself it's one of those storylines that really kind of shows how a fall from grace like I love how when they connect and develop characters like that like they do that with Callus, they do that with other characters I can't think of off of my head but they like (laughs) they like kind of explain like their past actions and their perspective and I think that was really valuable and I loved seeing that with Clone Wars because 
it really showed you more of that development that Star Wars does so well, where they develop their villains in the way that there's more to this person than just mm-hmm. pew pew, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the and then like by the end of the show, then almost well, like season six, no, season five, <laughs> Ventress is just like in the underworld and she's just exactly. like, so different. She's not a villain, she's just like a normal person now. And she even like <laughs> empathizes with Ahsoka. And it's just like these two characters, like Clone Wars just had so much growth with them. Exactly. And it's just so cool. Oh my gosh. They're both. Now I'm trying to think. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm trying to think of more people that like they gave that perspective on, just like in general. In I know, no, they did it with a lot hard. of characters, but that's just the character with Clone Wars specifically. I could really see Ahsoka and Ventress, like you said, they were the two characters that we definitely saw come to that mutual understanding and go through that progression of growth in their own paths. And I think that's that's actually an interesting thing to note that they came together in that finale because like they are two characters who like experienced a lot of growth in their own ways, kind of went through this betrayal kind of mm. thing with their different sides that empathy that Ventress had for Ahsoka was just like so like, <laughs> so cool to see and like so heartwarming too because she was like um her mask are you betrayed her too like to Anakin yeah and I was just like oh my god that hurt I'm just, like, but so sad <laughs> I also feel like bad for her Ventress in general because she didn't really get a happy ending <laughs> yes <laughs> no, Ventress is still magically alive somewhere in the universe. Well, between worlds, like, yes. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I love um, throwing that, yes. <laughs> no, we could just talk about the world between worlds shenanigans for hours. Okay, anyway, um, any other, I, um, anything else you want to add in relation to character storylines before we move to thematics? Maybe getting to see Padme do more? That is a very that? important Oh, yes. <laughs> If we're going back to kind of Anakin's fall, and as much as I hate Clovis with a burning passion and I can't watch the arc because of it, that arc really does kind of show, kind of tests their relationship. And we see their relationship tested in other arcs as well, like the one where he gives her the lightsaber and stuff. We see their relationship kind of grow in the same way that characters experience growth. And that connects well to when we look back to the film material and when they have their ultimate conflict in Revenge of the Sith. Now we have all this backup that they've experienced all of this other stuff in the past. <laughs> and like you said, in general, like I'm here for Padme doing more. So like, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I still haven't read her books, but maybe I'll do that. But um, also, what was I going to say? Oh, that like, just when Ahsoka was like, in jail and like Padme was just like her lawyer I just thought that was cool like that's just like in my brain <laughs> that I'm just like wow Padme you go they were like the parents it was so cute like that one mm. I was like yes. oh, they're like the parents and it's precious yes. <laughs> my brother Anakin <laughs> I don't know I, a lot of people see it as a parent they're, as they're the parents but I'm cool sister-in-law like I don't know <laughs> We They're can, we can. Father and brother. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Like, way to crush my dreams. I don't know dreams, if we want to go. <laughs> like, Star Wars is like, no, they're not a family. They're, well, they are family, but they're brother and sister. They're not parents. <laughs> I'm like, no. It's fine. That's yeah. like if Hera was like, go, brother. <laughs> <laughs> 
that one part they're like make mom and dad proud no make make yeah, older yeah, yeah. No, and, no i was just when i've been i've been doing my rewatch um well my rewatch when my dad's first watch and we just watched the uh oh gosh i don't remember what the episode's called the one where there was saw in season four and she's just like let's go pick up the kids and i'm like oh my god precious <laughs> my heart <ooh. laughs> i think um, it was the season two premiere when Harold was like make us proud kids and exactly like oh my god family stuff like we'll get to that with rebels anyway oh, yeah. first let's talk about kind of everything is rebels stuff. so the biggest themes i kind of thematic things i kind of noted were with star wars especially with the animation but you can touch on other themes for loss and like sacrifice and letting go and redemption and change versus tradition so um, we can quickly kind of go through each. I think Clone Wars, Clone Wars, as much as like the biggest loss we kind of get with Clone Wars, I guess is the clones dying. See, with like Rebels and Resistance, I can kind of note a very major kind of thing. But like, <laughs> maybe like Clone Wars, I guess, yeah, it's like the clones <laughs> are 66. And I think it's the because eyes, in a way, Clone like- Wars, you see so much loss that it's not as jarring because like it's like it goes back to like what i said with rebels and resistance we get like kind of more specific perspectives through the ghost crew and through the colossus but with this show you get kind of more of a general's perspective so i think that's why loss is more generalized but it's still very integral to the story because especially when it comes to the clones especially because we see him come kind of full circle with because i think rex talks a lot about about how many people he's lost and like how Mm -hmm. he's willing to fight like you know like get back to echo and like keep a person and save someone and i think because it's a war like you see a lot of that loss and then specifically on a relational level as we mentioned earlier it comes back to letting go as well through the series with how anakin and ahsoka's relationship especially with i think like even how in the movie or wherever he says that. i think it's in the movie where yoda's like letting go of his pupil will be like the hardest challenge or whatever and like that is true. Like, letting go is just a big theme in Star Wars. So, any thoughts about the themes World of, like, loss worlds. and letting go in Clone Wars? <laughs> I, I had to just say, I was about to bring another Rebels connection during Clone Wars. Discussion. Oh, my God. Yeah, we're, we're just such big, big Rebels fans. Like, oh, no. Anyway, yeah, but do you have any thoughts on, like, loss and letting go in Clone Wars? Yeah, a big one is just Rex and just like, because so many clones die and he's always there and you can just see the hurt on his face. And just that one where the clones didn't know they were killing each other and that one just oh, like no. hurt him. And he's like, what? <laughs> we're going to talk about Kanan, so this isn't big. I mean, <laughs> yeah, this is like nowhere near when I start talking about Kanan later. <laughs> no. um, so yeah, just that and just, he sees so many of his brothers die and he has to move on and we do see him move on and he's still he fights for the rebellion later on he's not just moping in his sand crawler that <laughs> and <laughs> yeah yes <laughs> and what was the other one Besides lost and letting go <laughs> letting go let it go. No. <laughs> Are we talking about Frozen? Now? No, 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 no. It's just a <laughs> just big kidding. theme in Star Wars, like especially in Rebels. We'll get to it, but like, like I said, with Clone Wars, I think the biggest thing is tied to Anakin and Ahsoka, and we kind of already talked about it, so we can we can skim over it, I guess. Okay. <laughs> and then the last one I kind of want to touch on real quick is change versus tradition. The biggest cases I think we see with this is obviously we don't see as much change per se 
in Clone Wars with the Jedi, but we do see kind of the testing of their ways, especially in season five with when Barris and Ahsoka kind of challenge their ways. And then for me, obviously, as a Mandalorian fan I am, we see the beginning growth of the Mandalorian society going through its transition periods with where Death Watch wants to continue their warrior ways and the pacifists the new mandalorians want to keep pacifism going and keep their society violence free (laughs) and we obviously see how that ends up being in clone wars and i think that's just besides me being a huge mandalorian fan i think it's also important to acknowledge that arc because that arc is cool as well the whole lawless mandalorian satine bo katan like all, all of that goodness i love that it's my faves. <laughs> my faves. Mm. Yeah, that whole like schism between the sisters is just a big thing. Yeah, and we'll, the, we'll talk the, about that in Rebels too, but like Bo-Katan's art kind of really goes through a lot. And obviously, like because we know that Moth Gideon has the Darksaber now, so I definitely think there's a lot more we have to learn in mm. relation to Bo-Katan. So yeah. <laughs> Any yeah. other story related thoughts about Clone Wars before we move to Rebels and talk about it for probably two hours. <laughs> Should we t- <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> Should we talk about... Actually, I was going to mention Mortis, but also... Oh yeah, that is important. Oh my gosh, did I skim over that? Oh gosh. <laughs> Maybe we should skim over that right now, like just talk about it really quickly, because I might... Because Rebels is probably going to take yeah. a while. Yeah, no, it's so, important and- to acknowledge that, because it... It's important both within the Clone Wars story, but as well as a larger universe, especially as we see in Rebels later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mythical Star Wars elements that kind of continue to weave their way throughout the franchise, especially in the animated shows. Bless Dave Filoni. Yeah, yeah, always. So Mortis is also an interesting way to connect to Anakin because we, I, I had to like kind of fight my way with why this was important on... The episode's not out yet, but on Jedi's and Jedi, I kind of had to, like, defend the Mortis arc because they all were like, <laughs> Anakin went through no progression. And I'm like, it still showed important story beats in relation to Anakin's, like, decision-making. And it developed a balance. Like, I had to, like, talk about forever about, like, why the Mortis gods are, like, important and stuff. Like, later <laughs> 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 because, like... They're even going to have me on their podcast again now, apparently, to talk about it because... They're like, okay, Ali's gonna f- fight us, not fight us, not them all. <laughs> yes, um, we but, love a good debate. Yeah, was- but like, I just think it adds so many interesting aspects for Anakin's story, as well as just generally bringing up the idea of, and we'll see this, we'll talk about this with the Bendu as well, but bringing up the idea of the different sides of the forces. I, I just, I could talk about Mortis for hours, so I don't know, what do you want to say? <laughs> uh, I guess just the burden of being the chosen one kind of with Anakin. I feel like yeah. that was a big thing here. Cause yeah. everyone was just like pushing it on him. And this one was a big Poor deal for that. Yeah. <laughs> feel bad. Well, it's all, everyone kind of peer pressures him in this poor prophecy. Mm, I guess Ahsoka and the daughter. That's a big thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That pops up later. Yeah. And it, it kind of, if we're talking about like thematic kind of stuff, like we get this whole thing with like rebirth and, I guess, in a way, if we're talking about Star Wars, like, manifestation of force energy, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really know what it is. Marie Claire, if she was here, she could probably explain it 5,000 times better than I could, but, like, she's not. So, no, I definitely think it's a really important part of 
of Clone Wars in it, especially when we get to talking about the world between worlds. Anyway, I think it's a good time to transition to Rebels because we're probably going to yes. be talking about it for a very long time. So. <laughs> I was gonna mention something else from Clone Wars. I'm like, we should go to Rebels. <laughs> yeah, like we could like do a separate. Like I could have you. I want if we want to have you want to be on the pod again later. We can do specific. This is a pretty general episode, so yeah. there's a lot of specifics to talk about. But this is just a fun time to talk about the storytelling of Star Wars animation. Mm-hmm. All right, Rebels. So everyone knows <laughs> that Rebels had the biggest impact on me personally. I mean, I, t- I talk about ages and ages about how I grew up with Clone Wars and that was a big thing for me but I was like eight and nine and when Rebels came out I was like 13 I was like a young teen so as Rebels grew up it ran from when I was like 13 to when I was 18 so it was kind of like that perfect or actually no I was 17 I think when it ended but it was it was like this perfect like age where I was like going through that whole like teenage growing up stage you know um it would and being older i think it had a big impact in that way as well and the biggest things i think everyone knows how much i love sabine go check out other content i don't want to waste time (laughs) talking about how much i love sabine right now but like sabine is a character she means a lot to me and then as you mentioned earlier the family aspects of rebels especially just so good so important especially with found family rebels does it the best no one can tell me otherwise (laughs) yes (laughs) hard yes Um, hard yes so before i transition into specifically talking about its connections to the films do you have i know you talked touched on it a bit at the beginning of the episode but do you have any other thoughts about the general like story impact of rebels on you so when i was i was watching it from 10 to 14 that was my age i think and yeah so that's it kind of came into teen years but then it just like kept being there for teen years and it was just I dare say it's my favorite Star Wars I do say that a lot of time a lot of times so yeah it's like I whenever somebody's like what's your favorite Star Wars movie then I'm like rebels even <laughs> it's not a movie so yeah that's just how big it is for me and mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like my main Star Wars thing. <laughs> yeah, like a lot yeah. of people would be like, I went, like when, in 19 this, I went to with my dad to watch A New Hope, and I'm just like, no, I was sitting in my living room watching Rebels. <laughs> yeah, so obviously Rebels has had a big impact on both of us. And so then looking at our first category and connecting to the films, Rebels did, like I, I, men- I keep mentioning throughout this, Rebels and Resistance kind of presented us with a unique perspective, and I love how Rebels kind of did it with this. We got it through the perspective of this found family, where not only were they like a found family and they were fighting um, the Empire, but they it grew, and they grew into transitioning into this rebel cell, into the larger rebellion. And I love the way that they progressed that, where they started as these people who were like fighting to help others who can't help themselves and they eventually transitioned that and then connecting to the films i think that's presented a unique a unique way of showing the development of the rebellion through a unique perspective and i love that mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and the big thing is that the main characters aren't from any movies and clone wars exactly like exactly. let's focus on that 
And so like nobody had any attachment to them, but that's why it's so much more powerful to me that I fell in love with these characters because like nobody had nostalgia for them, but then now <laughs> I kind of have nostalgia for them. So I, can't, I guess I can't say that, but like oh, yeah. still they're new characters and it's just like so cool how like at the beginning I didn't really care about them. And then like by season two, I'm just like, no, if any of them die, then I'm going to just... I'm gonna well, I guess you're you're alive now, so that didn't happen. Some some of me left. It's not all here. Some of me left. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Connecting to like what you said, like it's unique for the fact that these characters weren't nostalgia driven and as I was saying, we still we got that unique perspective with connecting to the films where it wasn't like it's not like Clone Wars where it's like, oh, here's these characters you know from A New Hope and they're experiencing life and stuff. I don't know. But, like, you guys, like, <laughs> these unique characters from all across the galaxy who come together as this family and then they grow in, they grow with the galaxy. Like, as the galaxy is changing, they, too, go through their own changes and progression throughout the story. And then, other than that, we get um, some Rogue One connections as well. Like, we get specific movie ties other than the general showing progression of the Rebellion. We get ties with Saw's narrative. We get ties with the Death Star kind of hints, especially, as I said earlier with the episode I just watched, it was when they found the Kyber crystal and stuff. There's a lot of ties to the films, but I just love how Rebels never really made it. Like, oh, now we're only going to be focused on the films. Like, season four, it wasn't just like, oh, wow it's Mon Mothma and Yavin and let's just stay here forever. No, it was still really focused, especially with how they ended up going to Lothal like halfway through season four or not even halfway, like <laughs> where they went to Lothal, like it was still really focused on these characters. And I love that where they were able to show, yes, these characters are a part of the universe that the films have built and they are connecting to the films, but it's not about that. It's about these characters yeah about that it never fell back on the movies as like a crutch to like get you into it like it never was like look at this cameo we have this is why you should watch the show no it was like these are just some cool cameos we're doing because it's cool but that's not what this show is and it's just i love that and yeah like even like palpatine like he was there and he served his purpose but like they didn't make him the final villain kind of it was still thrown yeah it was like, still thrown yeah <laughs> And like I was saying, like if there was aspects added, it was really just to continue to intertwine the characters with things, but not to like make the thing like the thing that was happening. It's like, oh wow, back before we even joined the rebellion, we found we stopped we're stopping the empire from like taking kyber crystals, but we're still continuing to do that. And like maybe <laughs> that just really shows how far the empire is to possibly overcoming us and like Ezra has like the quote where he's like what if uh the empire is like about to win a war that most of the rebel alliance hasn't think has begun it's like oof that line just holds so much weight and like oof. oh my gosh I can think of so many ways that applies to real life right now <laughs> oh my god yeah <laughs> <laughs> So the next two things I especially noted in relation to the specific storytelling are found family and the world between worlds. So do you have any thoughts on either of those that you want to talk about? (laughs) Uh, I guess the world between worlds. Let's just get into that. Uh, So Star Wars time travel is the simple way to put it, but it's just, (laughs) wow. Wow. a cool Star Warsy way that wasn't just like, look at this device and we're going to wherever we want to go. It was just like, 
it was so much more um had so much more weight to it because mm-hmm. just like the whole design like these portals and all this stuff and it was just and, like the voices and like you were mm-hmm. saying with like the weight element they really played on that because it's like when Ezra is like I'm gonna save Kanan Ahsoka's like you can't do that like it would cause like you all to die like it has that weight where it's like oh we can't just solve our problems with magic portals we actually Mm. have to like realize that we still have to experience loss and letting go and there's still weight to things that have occurred but it's all a learning lesson like Ezra says a lot in the end of season four about how everything is a kind of a culmination of lessons that Kanan was trying to teach him I like that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was just so powerful how they showed that time travel isn't just you do this and this, then it's just like you have to deal with loss too. It was just like they showed Kanan's like um, death scene again, and it was just he heard it. And then you see Ezra walking and just see the pain. And then you're like, oh, he just saved Ahsoka. He can do it again, but it's different. And, I was yeah. like, Star Wars, why are you making me watch this again? Like, who are you? Who am I? <laughs> like, oh my gosh, it was just crazy. And I, I, I even remember, like, some of the cast and every, they were like, I don't remember if it was the cast or something, but I was like, I look back at my old tweets a lot, especially, and I remember there was, like, a cast member or someone who put out a tweet that was like, the next episode will like explode your brain or something <laughs> like it'll blow your mind and i tweeted i was like okay so first they break our hearts and like destroy our emotions now they're gonna like melt our brains like what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> and then the next episode just oh my god that whole block of the last um oh my god so good. like seven episodes or something just <laughs> i love that they did that but yeah ahsoka was able to live because of it so like wow. yes. <laughs> so we love that. Ahsoka lives. Just, Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that shirt changed in the middle. Oh my flowing. god, so um, good. I cry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've um, been there. Like as much as fun as 2019 was, and there was still a lot of cool stuff that happened there, dude. Being at that 2017 one with all the stuff that happened. Oh, I wish. But I, I watched the live stream. I, was... I watched all of it. And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, wish I was there. It'd be so cool. Oh my god, was someone be, is so fun. You're gonna love it. it is I was the gonna best. be there last week. Yeah, no, no. I mean, when we eventually do get to go, it is so. Yeah, fun. I know. I'm I had so much hurt. fun in 2019. All right, that was my first one. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, any other thoughts about like found family? As that's a big aspect of this show, and like the storytelling they did in relation to that. Mm, yeah, it was just they showed other characters' families. Like we saw Ezra's parents; they were dead, and then. We see. <laughs> you said that so casually. <laughs> I had to get. To... Okay, we can cry. About this. But um, and then but Hera's dad's slide. Okay, now I'm just gonna mention all these people. I was I was getting to a point. Now I'm remembering everyone's dad. Oh but, my god. Um, but it's just um, like they all feel like a real family, and it's just so great how Hera treats them all like her kids, and how <laughs> Kanan feels like a dad, and it's just like some bonds are stronger than blood kind of it's just like that theme and it's just so good yeah no Um, I definitely agree like I especially with how you noted like I remember when I was proposing ideas to Brad for my friends of the force article for remembering resistance he's like 
the fact that so many characters were this is like we learn about their actual biological families but the people still come together as like a found family and it's like what you were saying like we still like there's cham and there's like ezra's parents but like they never like sideline like i bet if ezra's parents live ezra probably would not like his parents were already rebellious enough where they already probably want to go with them but like <laughs> I, I i don't feel like ezra would like full force ditch them because his parents are alive like i don't know but like i i they just like there's still so much importance with the family they find even though they have biological ties and mm-hmm. and and like it's like how another note like how sabine like she patches up with her family and yes she stays there for some time to help them but she still goes back to help um, her found family with the ghost crew. Yeah, after. I was just going to mention that, how how cool it was that she had two families and she was just like, I'm going to go, I need to go be there for that family. I, okay, I, I've, I've said this on record, or if anyone's like looked at my old tweets for some reason, but I, I never <laughs> say this enough. I actually don't think I publicly said this in the podcast. As a Sabine fan, when she left in Legacy Mandalore, I thought she was, like, gone. I cried when I watched that episode. I was like, we're not going to get any Sabine. I don't want Sabine to leave. Like, I cried. That was devastating. I was, like, tweeting up the storm. I, like, made a collage of, like, Ezra and Sabine photos because you all know I'm a Sebezra fan. So I made, like, a collage of Ezra and Sabine photos. Oh, my gosh. First time they met and last time they saw each other. It was so sad. It was so sad. I see that. I don't think I ever believed that she was going to be totally gone when I watched that. I don't think she was. Like, I just thought she would be gone for a long time. Like, Mm. she came back a lot sooner than I thought she would. And I was just like, okay, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, i don't know it was just an emotional episode but like like i was saying she comes back and she helps her family and and then they all go with ezra to lothal like they make sacrifices to help ezra because that's how much they've just grown to care about each other and i love Mm -hmm. that (laughs) this show so beautiful family ties a lot to characters so let's talk about some character story stuff so we talked a lot about how Ahsoka grows and Ezra grows a lot too. Poor Ezra, Kaz, and Ahsoka. They were kind of like the fan directed like, oh my God. hate storms. Like those poor characters. I hate this trope <laughs> of uh, people hating the main character in Monica. <laughs> I mean, I, I like, I think Ezra is pure. I think he's always been pure. I think he was nowhere near the chaotic energy of Ahsoka in the beginning. I think he was chaotic <laughs> in a pure way and never in a chaotic, chaotic way. <laughs> I, don't mm. I mean, it's mostly about him having to just like learn a lot about looking out for others. I think that's the biggest thing, especially with Hera's line. And it always goes back to Hera's line. How much do I quote Hera's line about if all you do is fight for your own life, then your life is worth nothing. Mm. <laughs> and that was in the premiere. <laughs> yes. And like pe- people saying that Rebels wasn't a good show from the beginning. No, no, like, come on, point. that was in the premiere. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. But Ezra, like, he goes through a lot of growth too. And he like he not only like learns to like look out for others, but he like also has like story development through the whole like if it kind of goes back to a theme but like it's fine to jump ahead of it but like the theme of like letting go and relationships it just all kind of intertwines back to that whole family aspect and Ezra kind of growing to let people look out for him and look out for others in return and I 
saying that just now made me emotional. <laughs> I just get so emotional about yeah. Russell. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, because he was just living for himself, and then by the end of the show, he's sacrificing himself for everybody. <laughs> wow. Hashtag Ezra. We can't like do this episode without saying that. Like, oh my gosh. I, one of the things I was looking forward to celebration is if uh, there was going to be a where's Ezra meetup and I just wanted oh, to be there. Oh, that was so fun. Everyone was like, there were so many cute little Ezras and cosplay and I oh handed out little posters. Oh my God, that was the best. I love Wait, it. you made the posters? Yeah, I made the posters. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. <laughs> what? I've been saying that all the time. <laughs> I don't know why, but. No, I, I have one hanging up cool. in here. It's fun. It's all good. But yeah. Where's Ezra? <laughs> that was one of the things that I was like, I felt so so much FOMO for. I was gonna, um, I was gonna have to bring posters again. I was like, it's almost been one thousand days, Disney. I'm you're gonna make me bring posters to another celebration. Like, come on. I have um, a tweet drafted, and I still have the tab open <laughs> on my phone. I've had the tab open since the finale of how many days has it been since March fifth, twenty eighteen. And once it hits a thousand days, I have a tweet drafted that I'm gonna drop. I'm oh my god! Disney, with the ring. that's so good. Can't wait for that. So wait, what, yeah, how long? If it- Disney doesn't tell me where Ezra is by like the end of November, they're gonna get a tweet from me. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> we'll all tweet them. Don't worry. <laughs> but, um. Oh, also, just Yoda telling him that it's how we choose to fight. And yeah, just and Ezra thinking back. about that. I have so many connections to this episode I just watched with my dad. Because it goes back to that. Because Ezra, again, questions the way they fight in relation to Saw. And he's like, Kanan, maybe we're fighting the wrong way. Like, we get that mm. angst Ezra. Mm, good old angst. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, oh my I'm gosh. sorry. I'm here for angst Ezra. <laughs> Uh, season three trailer where we're all like, oh my god, <laughs> that didn't last. Like those didn't first three episodes, oof. <laughs> I legit thought that was gonna be him for the rest of the show, but last is like he was still there. Like I just said, like in that episode, I was just talking about, like I don't know, like there's elements of angsty Ezra, just not as full angsty Ezra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was a lot more critical of it back when it aired, but nowadays I'm like, I guess he like growed out of his angst phase. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> any other before I bring up Sabine because obviously I want to talk about Sabine there, is there any other like character storylines that you think are important to acknowledge no let's go on to Sabine <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> I just right. have to say Trials of the Dark Saber it's my favorite episode right now I know it's the best okay I have to the music I'm, everyone knows how obsessed I am with this oh my god <laughs> I just saw you post that other day. I've been posting about this constantly the last two days. It's so sad. I can't. I'm not going to make everyone listen to it because it's extremely loud. And if I put it by my <laughs> microphone, your ears will probably die. Oh my gosh, uh, that, do it. <laughs> okay, let's murder everyone. No. <laughs> loud. Yeah, it's, wow. it's, it's cool. But okay, anyway. Okay, Sabine. Sabine. So, okay. We have talked about the episode. With How her and Hera. about this for two hours? Um, hmm. Okay, yeah, let's condense it to like <laughs> five minutes. <laughs> no, I, if anyone Rebel, Each character needs me, their own episode. No, I, I, I talk about Sabine so much on What the Force, on Knights of Ren, on Jag Guys and Jedi. Like, literally go to any podcast I've guested on and I probably talk about <laughs> Sabine for like two hours. So, like, it's fine. I've talked a lot about how... I value Sabine's storyline for a lot of reasons. I mean, in short form, one of the things I value like the most at, on a personal level for me is I'm like very expressive 
but I'm also kind of very introverted in a way. And I kind of saw that with Sabine in a way for the fact that she's an artist and she's very expressive, yet there's still so much pain and so much she holds back. And she's still very tightly wound in a lot of ways, as Kanan says. And I think on a personal level, I found that um, impactful. And uh, through her story, I just found it very... I loved getting to learn more about her throughout the seasons, especially with how she always there's always like the hints of her past with the imperial academy and i love too how her family never holds her to it they accept the fact that she's grown and changed and we get hints of her past and then when she comes to face it in season three as you were saying with trials of the dark saber her found family stands with her and helps her face it and she herself comes to face her pain in that same moment as she does take on the challenge of going back to her family and facing her past so there's just so much I love about Sabine, but that's the short form. <laughs> that's a very short form. <laughs> yes, we need to be short right now. But um, just her dedication to both of her families was just so amazing because she's just like, like I said before, like she, she needs to be there for them mm-hmm. whenever they need her. And it's just, she was just willing to risk everything. I mean, she so. literally stays on Lothal. Like, she's... Oh my gosh, we have to talk about that. She, like, stays on Lothal for Ezra. We have to I talk about like, My God, my heart. And now she's yes. going to spend another bunch of her life searching for him. Like, I... My heart is just like, wow. Uh, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love her so much. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and... I think you see that, like you were saying, with the dedication to her family. It's like we see that a lot with the characters and their stories and just how much they care for each other and they grow together to be there for each other in a number of different instances, whether it's facing the Empire, facing their family, facing any other personal conflict. And I think one more character that's important to acknowledge in the segment obviously if anyone's interested in hearing more about characters of rebels i did individual episodes on every character <laughs> so go listen to those but another one who's important to acknowledge on a story level i think is kanan because like ezra kanan goes through a lot of growth as well so he just okay so from the beginning he was he didn't think he was like fit to be uh, ezra's master and then ezra's just like no i want you and oh my gosh <laughs> but, um, and then he's just this journey of him like because he never got to finish his training and he's just mm-hmm. so he's just like learning on his in this journey too when he's being Ezra's master and it's just him kind of gaining confidence also as a master mm-hmm. and he's just also the dad of his <laughs> family and yeah. he's like in Charles of the Dark Saber that's also a kind of a Canaan episode because he's just like kind of frustrated and then Hera's like you have to like be there for Sabine and she has so much hurt and then Kanan does that, and even though he's just fighting her, but yeah. Yeah, I, ta- I I always mention this, especially, this is especially why when I did the Star Wars Rebels Awards, I included Kanan and Sabine's relationship as one of the options, because I've always found a lot of value for the fact that they kind of test each other's morals and kind of grow together in the way, because from the beginning of their relationship, we see like conflict between them and their different perspectives and how open they're going to be. And then there's the whole Mandalorian warrior ways versus Jedi philosophy. And they kind of both like grow and flourish in their own ways together and kind of accepting each other and finding that kind of balance in a way between their different perspectives and being willing to take a risk because a big thing, as you said, in Trials of the Darksaber that holds Kanan back is not only 
it's not just fear of like the unknown but it's also fear for sabine like he talks about how much he doesn't want her to get hurt but he lets her take that risk and take that chance just to prove to her that he believes in her and i i just love their relationship so much and how it grows and evolves the hug they share in um... oh my god crying <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was so powerful um, and then when kanan dies you can just see that sabine is so hurt like they're all oh hurt god, obviously no! it's just it's so <laughs> personal the Sab- sabine's hurt because she's also piloting the um, ship that they get off on, and it's just. Oh I know, gosh. no, no. My fic, I wrote like a fic that connects that. I I wrote it from like each character's perspective, and when I was writing Sabine's oh. perspective, I was getting so emotional. I was like, ah. oh my gosh, send that to me. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's not public. I I I've written like five thousand fics, and everyone doesn't think I've written five thousand fics because my fanfic account only has like five public fanfics. But I will send it to you specifically <laughs> because you get extra rights. If that anyone wants to hurt. actually read that, let me know on Twitter, and I will maybe actually post it. <laughs> That one sounds like it's going to hurt, and I'm so down for it. Oh my gosh, it's pain. It's <laughs> pain. <laughs> Not only do the characters experience such a level, but the story impact as well, and us has such a level. Which, let's transition into our theme um, segment as we <laughs> talk about Kanan's sacrifice and that. Oh. Um, yeah, we were kind of already touching on that, and uh, <laughs> I just want to say that I, sometimes I'm thinking of making a thread of scenes that actually make me cry because a lot of times on Twitter or something, I'll be like, oh my gosh, this, I'm crying, but I'm not actually <laughs> crying. It's just like mentally crying. But then there's a few scenes that I can actually say that give me legit chills no matter how many times I watch them. One of them is Bing, Bing Bong's death in Inside Out. And then oh my God, no. <laughs> and then And then there's this scene <laughs> where his death, it just, it's, it hurts so much. And I remember watching it for the first time because ever since there was a part in season uh, four where I knew Kanan was going to die, even though the episode didn't air yet. And it was just like all the clues, like um, the wolf saying doom, but D-O-O-M, like the closed captioning. And it was just like, I knew Kanan was going to die. And then he did die and it still hurt so much. And I just went to all my friends and I was like, watch this. No, everyone, <laughs> for me too, it was such a big thing. Like, and I remember, like, tweeting, I I was doing art the night before the episode aired. I And I was drawing that Rebels family piece because I had a bad feeling that he was going to die. It was, like, my emotional coping mechanism. So I stayed up all night the night before drawing. And I even, in the, in the thing I posted, I was like, I am not ready for tomorrow's episode. So I guess staying up all night drawing is my emotional oh my coping gosh. mechanism. <laughs> like, and it was just, oh, it was just so emotional because I not especially with this show i connect with the characters in such a way and the show in such a way that it just made that loss even more impactful as a viewer and then story-wise if we're going to talk about the story element more the impact it had on all the characters especially because we've talked a lot about how close these characters become and how much they grow together and we get to this point where all the characters are choosing to make the sacrifice to help Ezra by going to Lothal, even though they know the risk it holds. And Kanan ends up making that big sacrifice that really helps trigger, like, the saving of Lothal. Yeah, I also... Yeah, the whole um, TIE Fighter Factory, that was just like, wow. <laughs> that was Kanan. He literally also, did it! Like, yes! Also, it was just... I'm so... I appreciate the episode Doom so much. Because it gave us a morning episode for us to mourn, for the characters to mourn. I just appreciated yeah. that so much. Yeah. 
that's another thing I really valued with Rebels because it gave time for things like that. Like when we jumped into season three, it wasn't immediately like, oh, we're just doing missions for the rebellion and woo, fun times. It was actually addressing a lot of what happened in season two. And then with this, we get an entire episode where the characters are mourning and facing what's happened. And that was my biggest my biggest thing with Clone Wars and I'm resistance. We didn't get that as much per se. And obviously that could be depending on their different shows. So they handle storylines in different ways. But I always value the fact that Rebels really took its time with things. But it yeah. also did it very effectively in a timing way too. And I love that. Yeah. Just also the medium as like episodic TV. And it just was like, they were such perfect together, even though they're such hurt. <laughs> they hurt you so much. The but pain. they just were, yes. It, it's like with that whole I don't remember how many episodes but in that chunk of episodes too they have the instead of like the rebels ending they do the like the white fade out one and mm. then the one in um in world between worlds where they they have the the force will be with you always fade to like those <gasps> fades to white oh my god it punched me emotionally so hard oh my gosh the uh as you're saying goodbye Kanan and that music oh my gosh what's yeah. that 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 soundtrack I forgot what it's called but not soundtrack, but that just that song. It just hurts me so much whenever I oh watch it and I God. listen to it. Yeah, it's like it Kanan's Kanan goodbye. Yeah, yeah. Well. It's oh my gosh. No, all the Rebel season four music just oof. Mm. Especially like Kanan in the Fire. I'm like, I'll play that sometimes. <gasps> like, I'm gonna be sad today. It's fine. You wanna go into sad mode? I can show you sad. Please. No, I have like a playlist that's just like Star Wars music when I want to be sad. <laughs> like when I was in my depressed phase in like 2019, I was just like, I'm just going to be sad today. It's fine. No, in Rebel Season 4, if we're talking about storytelling of Star Wars, it really executes that emotional weight so well. And I, everyone always says like, Clone Wars was the one show that executed a good balancer. It was so serious. No, okay, there is some like serious stuff that happens in Rebels and in even Rebels is too childish. <laughs> it is not okay. Oh my I gosh, people not. saying that. Like, no, the biggest thing I'll point to if anyone ever tells me, I literally pull up the clip of Sumar dying. I'm like, watch this clip. <laughs> like, literally, he explodes in that clip. I'm like, um, excuse me, this is a child show, you say? <laughs> like, no. <laughs> like, even I remember when I was showing my dad for the first time, and like in the premiere, like, Callus like kicks the stormtrooper off the pole, and my dad's like, oh, this is a child show. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you just killed my car. So yeah, I really valued the way they did storytelling in Rebels on all levels. So I just love the show so much. Anything else you want to say about the storytelling of Rebels? I guess just the like way that it had an overarching plot, but also gave so much non-overarching plot-related episodes. Just like for like the time thing, where it gave so much time with these characters just to be living their lives. And just, it made it feel so much more like a family, like running errands and stuff. It just felt like, like that. Like Everyone could say that, like, season one was so la di la di la di la oh, we're just having fun times. But that, I loved how pure season one was in that way, mm. that it, like, just really focused on the characters. Like, it was, I, like, everyone says season two focuses so much on the characters. And while, yes, season two has, like, stuff with Sabine, stuff with Zeb, like, there's so much character stuff there. But, like, the way that season one, like, focused so solely on the characters and their lives, I just love that. Yeah, I, I remember re-watching some season one episodes right before, like, the final few episodes. And I was just like, these are so good. Like, exactly. how can anybody... Throw trash this like um, fight or flight. I was watching that. I was like, this is a masterpiece. <laughs> I was just like, 
And I'm like, I love seeing Zeb and Ezra go grocery shopping exactly. with their mom. <laughs> like, this is a family. Like, we wouldn't just, like, them fighting Inquisitors doesn't, isn't what makes them the family. And then one more thing I wanted to touch on with Rebels, because, like, God, I can't just not talk about it. So, Rebels, we touched on in Clone Wars that we see a lot with Bo-Katan. Um, and Satine, and I love the way that Rebels, and obviously Mandalorian, I'd say this every time, but Mandalorian, we don't know what happened there, but like, with Rebels, we kind of get like the full arc in a way of Bo-Katan kind of coming to face her past, and now her future, and accept the Darksaber in the end, and kind of learn alongside Sabine in a way, and I, I just love that too, and the way that it helped continue. Yeah, Clone Wars connections, should we talk about that, just like for one last thing? Yeah. Just yeah. Rex, Ahsoka, um, Bo-Katan, just like all these storylines that were like didn't get to be finished kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And and if we're going back to what we said earlier about um, the way that Rebels never made the film elements, the thing like they never did that with Ahsoka and Rex either. They were intertwined alongside the characters and they like helped the characters along the way, but it was never like, <laughs> here's Ahsoka and she's the focus now. <laughs> what do you do? Like, this the stuff with Vader and Ahsoka, while yes, it could, uh, some could argue, oh wow, they just really want to continue Ahsoka's story, but that's not her story. But we see the impact it has on Ezra. We see the weight he carries because of what happens in relation to Ahsoka. There is an impact there, and the characters are there because it's what they're experiencing, and it's never like they're going out of their way to fight Vader. No, they're going there for other reasons, but that's just something that occurs along the way. Ezra crying in Kanan's love. I'm like, stop <laughs> doing that. I don't, <laughs> I will like boo you from this so fast. <laughs> it's, it's just that Ezra turning to the dark side, not turning to the dark side, but his whole thing mode. That's such a big thing because um, it's Ahsoka's like him thinking she's dead because of him kind of. That's exactly. a big part of that. It's not just a Clone Wars connection. It's a rebel yeah. thing. Yeah, exactly. I, I have another fic that connects. I've written so many, dude, like, literally, I've written so many Rebels fics that no one knows about because they're just on my phone. <laughs> I need to post them. Oh this might be giving me the courage to finally post them. Talking about yes, okay. do. Anyway, are you ready to transition to Resistance? Yes, let's go. Oh my gosh, go. I have talked about this show so much the last couple weeks, so I am sorry if my brain just, like, stops <laughs> short-circuiting. <laughs> because we just had Remembering Resistance, so I have been talking about Resistance nonstop. So, Resistance. Um, as I said, in relation to Rebels, it kind of does a unique perspective. I think each show kind of goes more and more individualized in a way that it doesn't stray from the conflict in a way, but it, like, focuses more and more specifically on a group of people, and especially with this it does kind of stray from the conflict in a way that it's not like they're immediately like, oh, we're going to go help people. No, we're just on a platform and we're <laughs> racing and stuff. But it never like, and I, everyone says like, oh, this is like just a kid show, just a kid show. Like, and they critique the animation to no end. Do you know how much I had to defend the animation of this show before it aired? Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, I posted a drawing and someone was like, the animation sucks. Why would you even draw it? Oh. Like, are you serious? Come on, leave me alone. No. The amount, but, the rebel, people say that about Rebels so much and it just makes me so mad. Yeah. But it's like, with this show, I found personally the charm 
and the energy and like the chaotic energy and the and the <laughs> just pureness of the show is just so heartwarming and fun. I love your out of context clips. <laughs> oh my god, thank you! Yay! Someone actually like acknowledged. <laughs> it's always me having to acknowledge it and awkwardly. I'm like, I love running my no context. It's fun. <laughs> no, it's I such know. a good show for that though. Exactly. That's what I was saying. That's why, like, I, I didn't. I actually, I've been watching this show. I've been a fan of this show before it even aired. But, like, I didn't make that account until, like, August of last year because I just realized how chaotic and neat, like, of a show it was that I needed an account like that where, like, the clips just work so well in that way. <laughs> okay, that was weird. So, I have been a fan of this show, like, before it aired. Like, I was drawing it. Like, everyone was always like, Ali's drawing Torah and the show hasn't even aired yet. And I'm like, yes, I am. <laughs> no. Um, but, like, I, I just always loved it for the fact that it looks like such a fun loving show and I honestly as much as I can enjoy some angst like as I've said angsty as really as much as the angst can be like oof emotional gut punch um I also love some pure shenanigans too so <laughs> I, I I really enjoyed resistance for so many reasons but it was definitely that like fun loving aspect that I just love so much like Niku and Tora they're they're my favorites besides to be and they're like up there with my favorites <laughs> i don't know how how did you get into how did you feel about resistance's storytelling resistance as the show i don't know so i actually okay so i actually have not finished the show but i have a lot to say about how good it is just because i watched like most of it or like over half of it i remember one time i was sitting and my mom and my mom and i were home it was like after school and we were i was just like my mom you like she usually likes to watch comedy shows that don't have like an overarching plot because you did get into and she doesn't have to watch episodes before. And I was just, I turned on episode of Resistance and we were just like, it was, we were having fun watching it. And it was just a cool Aww. mother and son show to watch. But um, one of my bookstagram posts the other time was about children's books and how I like things that don't have any conflict, even though everybody says you need conflict for a story. And Resistance does have a conflict a lot, but it's just, it's along the lines of why I enjoy children's books because they're just so lighthearted and it's just like pure joy. And I just like, I love seeing how fun this show is and how. It doesn't need like the angst. Like I love angst, but sometimes <laughs> angst we need <laughs> sometimes we need this pure joy we can turn on. Even though we have exactly. some angst with Tam and we just <laughs> <most Some time>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like yeah, just like this slice of life on the Colossus and just the animation is so like shiny, I wanna say. And it's just like like it's so different and unique that I it's just so enjoyable to watch, honestly. I was just thinking about this when you brought up that you hadn't finished the show yet. When um, So I was talking to Siraj the other day, and we were talking about Tam and Cass. I was pulling a tweet that was like, watching Tam and Cass's stories is painful at the same time. And on Twitter advanced search, I searched like Tam to find it. And I was going through tweets, and I, I found a thread of tweets that where you were watching like the season one finale. And then I was like... <laughs> And then I was like, oh, wait, you haven't seen it yet? I spoiled you this morning. And you're like, no, you didn't. And then I, then we were talking about, and then you were like, did Bucket just die? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then you were like, you lie. And then I'm like, no, I didn't. And then we were just like, we got into this whole like, like thing where we were like, you were like, I don't want to feel pain. And then I like sent you a photo of Keenan and his eyes. Oh. <laughs> And I just kept replying to with you about painful stuff. Oh my gosh, I remember that. You threatened to block me, and I was like, okay, then. You were that, so, that was just so you, pure. 
because like that's block worthy though that's you're targeting me by sending me that yeah but my my point is like <laughs> as much as we like angst i just enjoyed the show for how pure it was but like angst is cool too and that's why i made you feel pain when you did <laughs> i was like just wait till you get to the end of the episode I'm like stop <laughs> Because you knew what was going to happen, but I was like, just you wait. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so anyway, so on a story level, speaking of angst, the biggest connection we get to the Star Wars universe and Resistance has to do with Hosnian Prime and Starkiller Mm. Peace. Especially, since I've watched the show like four times in the last like, two weeks because i've been doing clips for no context account for like remembering <laughs> resistance and um there's a lot of hints in season one um in relation to star killer base and like they're like oh they're drilling this they're drilling that they're do- going to weird mining systems like what are they doing like it, they do the same kind of building they do with the death star and rebels um and then we obviously get the angsty moment with- <laughs> i don't know why i'm laughing it's not funny <laughs> With, the laughing helps with the pain. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna try to say it as sad as possible. With Kaz um losing his his homeworld, like where he grew up, like you know, it's oh. so sad. <laughs> it's that one, and oh it's it's very jarring because like as we said, we respect a lot how this show is like so pure, but then we get like that moment where it's like, oh wait, Kaz is like dealing with this huge loss because like even though he learns later that his family survived like he's still lost where he grew his up planet. he grew up he like lost oh his whole home and it's like as i was saying while i feel like resistance could have done more with that storyline as i noted earlier with how they handled mourning handled mourning and um and rebels well, I think they could have done more of that storyline in um, Resistance. You still see the weight it has. And I, that's why in my fic I wrote, I kind of addressed, like, Kaz has a line when he's talking to Tam in my fic where he's like, yeah, there was a lot going on, but, like, you leaving kind of, like, got, helped me uh, distract myself. That was, like, my... Oh, my, my God. For it. I was, like... So, like, Kaz is, like, dealing with, like, the weight of everything now that Tam is back. And I'm like, oh, there you go. Mm. No, so while well, they could have done more with that, you still see the weight it holds, especially when it comes to Tam. Uh, so I have to go, like, in 10 minutes or something. So okay. should we... So we can just wrap up right up. Um, I just want to mention the film overlap just with the whole Hux speech. That was another cool thing with the animated shows. Yeah. So then with the characters, as I was saying, like, I think the biggest thing story-wise, the way they developed kind of the choice Tam made and how the characters impacted by it. And then the whole aspect of forgiveness. There's a lot with forgiveness and resistance. Like we see it with Yigur's brother. We see it with Tam. We see it with other instances. And so I think the story elements of resistance pulled with forgiveness and with character growth were really impactful. And I just really enjoyed the show. (laughs) (laughs) It's so fun just like turning it on and just watching it. And Mm -hmm. then we need more shows that are just lighthearted. All right, you want to transition into a short segment about the future of Star Wars animation? Yes. All right. Mm, This is a good one. Yes. So as we've been talking a lot about the values of the storytelling and how amazing it is, I am so excited as much to see what the future holds with Star Wars animation. So the biggest, the only one we have confirmed so far is Bad Bash, but we also, as we've been mentioning earlier, we need where's we need the Rebel sequel too. <laughs> so, what are your thoughts about the possible future storytelling of Star Wars animation? 
so we have to talk about Siege of Mandalore setting that bar for Star Wars animation now. Like it has, it's limitless now because of that. It can, it can be in theaters now. We can have movies that nobody, like not everyone hates, like the Clone Wars movie <laughs> that like people will like, will actually, like it has so much opportunity now. Like all these, um, like Clone Wars, Rebels, they introduce so many new things, like the world between worlds. That's such a huge deal, like within the movies that would such a huge deal. And like, I feel like not enough people know that that exists. And it's mm-hmm. just like, so many cool things were introduced and it's just there's so much more things opportunity and stuff and with um the rebel sequel series like <laughs> that's just gonna be i'm so that's like my most excited thing right now and we could just get so much from that we could get like unknown regions you get like thrawn's home world and stuff or whatever but it's limitless do you want to say anything yeah no i think there's a lot they could touch on i a lot of the stuff I've said in relation to The Mandalorian is I love how they're kind of expanding the narrative of the transition period of the galaxy and how people are adjusting. And that kind of goes back to the whole tradition versus change kind of thing. And I think the future of Star Wars animation can continue to show that transition period in a lot of different ways. And like you said, there's character things they can do too with Sabine, with Thrawn, with with Ezra, with Ahsoka, there's still so much they can touch on in relation to both the uni- the galaxy as a whole, as well as the characters and their roles. Anyway, um, Siraj has to go, so I'm going to wrap it up. So where can people find you and what you do, Siraj? So you can find me on Twitter at, at Sajibaka, that's capital S, and then lowercase A-J-Y-B-A-K-K-A. <laughs> and um, you can find me on Instagram where I do book reviews and book aesthetics for just books I think are cool and mostly diverse books at um, Bajwa Siraj. That's lowercase, all of it, B-A-J-W-A and then Siraj. So yeah, those are mainly where you can find me. And I might be starting a book blog soon. So I'll, if you follow me on any of my social medias, then you can probably find out about my book blogs there. So yeah. Yeah, it was so awesome having you on the pod. Thank you so much for guesting. Really appreciate it. Love talking about Star Wars animation <laughs> with you. And maybe we can do it again in the future because it's so much fun. Yeah. As for me, you can follow me at Allie underscore M underscore Andrews. You can follow the podcast on mm-hmm. Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter at Knights of Ren and Instagram at Knights underscore of Ren. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, podcast.com and Google Podcasts. And stay tuned for future content. I'll be putting out some tweets in the future on stuff you might see, including Maria and I covering The Mandalorian Season 2 when that does come out in October. Thank you all so much for listening, and I hope you have a great day, and I hope you come back next time to listen to us talk more Star Wars. 